When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the 49ers Report live here on Chat Sports, a therapy session of sorts after the San Francisco 49ers last night fell for the second consecutive time to the Minnesota Vikings the week before that, an ugly loss against the Cleveland Browns, and San Francisco getting off to that 5-0 start to start off the regular season, looking like the best overall team in football. Everything has come crashing down in the last two games, and when you think about what transpired last night in Minneapolis, where the 49ers have not won in more than 30 years, on the first drive, fumble in the red zone. And all of these reasons and back up why the San Francisco 49ers lost that football game yesterday, you intercept Kirk Cousins on the opening drive of the game. You have all the momentum on your favor. You're hoping that you can flush what happened last week against Cleveland. And then you're driving down the field, moving the football. Christian McCaffrey fumbles in the red zone. I believe that that really changed the momentum of the game last night. And McCaffrey even said after the game, credit to him for taking accountability, that he thought that that play cost the Niners the game. If you go up 7-0, you're in the driver's seat. This is a San Francisco team that operates much better from ahead as compared to behind, and we'll talk more about that coming up in a bit. And then you squander that opportunity, and from that point, you give up an 89-yard scoring drive to the Minnesota Vikings. Then on top of that, Jake Moody misses a makeable 40-yard field goal, more momentum for Minnesota. Before the half, you score a touchdown with Christian McCaffrey, who set an NFL record for the most consecutive games with a touchdown. And then inexplicably, you send in an all-out blitz, and you give up a crushing 60-yard touchdown right before the break. You scored a touchdown. You're getting the ball after recess. You have all the momentum in your favor. You squander that momentum once again. Also, San Francisco got carved up on third downs time and time again by Kirk Cousins. More on that here in a bit. And then Brock Purdy threw two interceptions. So if you're looking for a perfect guide on how to lose a football game, the Niners did all of this and much more. Didn't even get a sack of Kirk Cousins either. As primetime Kirk who usually flounders in a big spot, came up big against the Niners and played one of his best games as a pro. 
And I thought it was completely unacceptable for this Niners defense to play the way that they did. Cousins on third down cooked San Francisco. 9 of 12, 8 of those completions going for first downs. 182 yards, 2 touchdowns, and a passer rating of 156.3. So there's plenty to get to on the show here today. Just wanted to outline that if you're looking for a way to lose the football game, that's how you do it right there. We're going to dissect what went wrong. We're going to address what went wrong. Did the Niners need to make a trade in the lead up to the NFL trade deadline coming up here in a week from today? And then we'll also be answering your questions all throughout the afternoon. So get involved, join the show, hashtag 49ers or Super Chat. First, though, are you worried about this football team? Let's hear from you right now. I'm looking at our poll question, and it's something very similar. The 49ers are 24% saying frauds, 76% saying that the Niners still an elite team. Give me a Y for yes or an N for no. Roddy Cal said no. I like the confidence there from one of our real ones. Travis Escorcio saying yes. Silverback saying fool's gold. You know it's not fool's gold and the best app that you should be using and have on your phone if you want to play daily fantasy sports, it's prize picks. You can get a $100 deposit match at prizepicks.com slash CLNS. Make sure you use the code CLNS for that deal to apply. It's the largest independently run daily fantasy sports app in North America. Daily fantasy sports made easy. You pick two plus players. You choose more or less on their projected stat lines. And last night, it was a rough night for the Niners. It was a rough night for us here on the 49ers Report. TJ Hawkinson had a night. Kirk Cousins went way over 232 and a half passing yards. We had the less there, and Brock Purdy did not throw for two passing touchdowns. I put a late bet on the Niners as well, and they weren't able to win that football game. So all around from a betting standpoint, daily fantasy standpoint, we really struggled. But throughout this football season, myself, producer Chip, we've been able to win up to 25 times our money and prize picks has helped us do that. So we're putting that link in the chat right now up to a $100 deposit match at prizepicks.com slash CLNS. It's the greatest app for daily fantasy sports. Do want to hear from you all throughout the show here today as we're live on the San Francisco 49ers report. A couple of ways for you to get involved. Just use the hashtag 49ers or send us in a super chat to ask us anything. That's the hashtag 49ers or Super Chat to get on the show because we love hearing from all of our loyal subscribers. And speaking of our subscribers, look at the progress that we're making here. We're on that road to 100,000 subscribers once we get there. YouTube going to send us that silver plaque. We're 2,500 people away. It's going to happen any week now, any day now. So if you want Niners analysis every single day, that's what we do and you're coming across the show for the first time, make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you're ready to get the vet session underway, it's going to be a vet session here on the 49ers Report. I want you to hit that thumbs up icon and like the video. We're going to vent together. We're going to make you a smarter Niner fan throughout the next, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour. So if you're ready to get it underway, make sure you like the video. 163 people watching live 41 likes, so please make sure you support the show by hitting that thumbs up icon and liking the video. Shredhead85 is back, one of our Super Chat real ones. 
Fukene. Didn't see it last night, Fukene. Bengals will be a tough game. Got to get it together. Completely agree. Take the yellow pill. Steve Wilk sucks. We'll talk more about him coming up here in just a little while as well. So uh, our first segment, we're going to kind of recap what happened to the 49ers last night, expanding on some of the thoughts during our audience build-up portion of the show. We're going to take a look at some trade targets, some trade rumors, and then we'll take your questions throughout the broadcast as well. So come on now. Like the video up to 51 likes. We should be able to get to 100 likes. Let's start the show officially in one minute, and can we get up to 100 likes in that minute? I'm starting the clock right now. Where are all the real ones out there? Let's go. I know you're there, but you got to show us that you're there. By liking the video, 166 people watching live, 53 likes. We had 130,000 people join us for our watch party last night. $1,200 in Super Chats gave away an autographed Frank Gore jersey to our boy Rick Nyers. We raffled off a Niners hat. We did a 50-50 raffle. It was absolutely sensational. Take the yellow pill, Bradford Vidinha. 1-7 Silverback and take the yellow pill all in the comment section right now as the recent commenters. We have 20 seconds left before we start the show. How many likes can we get over, the, over those next 20 seconds? We're at 60 right now. More likes that we get, the better that the show will be. Let's go. Let's get to 100. Come on. Producer Chip here with me today. Five seconds left on that clock, and then we're going to start the official program. Thanks to everybody for being here with us. And with that, let's start the official show right now. Welcome into the show. This is the San Francisco 49ers Report by Chat Sports. I'm Chase Senior. Appreciate all of you for being here with us. And we got so used to having all of these Victory Monday segments after San Francisco got out to that 5-0 start. That last victory against the Dallas Cowboys had a lot of people thinking that the Niners were the best all-around team in football, but they flatlined the last two games in ugly losses to the Cleveland Browns and on Monday night football to the Minnesota Vikings. And when you think about what went wrong for San Francisco in that game, suffering their second consecutive loss, if you were put to put together a guide on how to lose a football game with self-inflicted wounds and shooting yourselves in the foot, San Francisco basically accomplished all of that by doing all of these things and even more that we'll unpack on today's show. First drive of the game, you intercept Kirk Cousins, you have momentum. Charvarius Mooney Ward made a great play on the ball on Jordan Addison. You start to move the football. You matriculate downfield. You're inside the red zone. And then Christian McCaffrey fumbles it away. He even said after the game, he thought as though that that turnover set the tone for the rest of the game in a negative fashion for San Francisco. And it was a reason why they lost. We know that the Niners played their best ball when they're ahead. When momentum is on their side, they squandered a great opportunity to seize the momentum and to send a statement and to flush the skeletons in the closet from what happened the week prior against the Cleveland Browns. And then a little bit later, Niners move the football once again. Brock Purdy making some good throws to that intermediate level. He's running the offense. He, Jake Moody misses a 40-yard field goal, a chip shot. And for the second consecutive week, Jake Moody with the crucial miss. That's three misses in the last two games for the rookie third-round pick. Before the half, San Francisco 
goes down the field. It's not like they had a lot of trouble in moving the football last night. They just cost themselves, and Christian McCaffrey sets an NFL record for the most games in a row with a touchdown, and you're set to get the ball after halftime. So you get that touchdown. You're going to get the ball after recess. Once again, momentum is in your favor, and you give up a crushing 60-yard touchdown on a fluke crazy play as Traverius Ward, who intercepted Kirk Cousins earlier, looked to have his second, but Addison plucked the ball away from him in response to what happened on that first drive. San Francisco all throughout the night, carved up on third downs, and then Brock Purdy in the fourth quarter. After playing well for the first three quarters, a big improvement from what happened two weeks ago against Cleveland, throws two back-breaking picks on back-to-back -back drives to end the game, down by five, looking to put San Francisco ahead with a touchdown. The big question here that I keep thinking about is this one. Are the 49ers right now front-running frauds or are they still legitimate Super Bowl contenders? As of this moment, going into week eight of the 2023 NFL season, these are my thoughts. And I took the Twitter to say this. Give me a follow and give me a shout, whether you agree with me or disagree with me, at Chase underscore senior here. Right now, in my eyes, I think the 49ers are fraudulent frontrunners. Here's why. San Francisco looks dominant. They play great when everything is going well and they have a lead. Yet when they get punched in the teeth and they're in a grimy game, which they've been in the last two weeks, San Francisco is now 0-2 in those spots. Now the Niners can change that narrative, but right now that's who they are, and right now they are not the best team in the NFC. The best team in the NFC is the team that beat them in the NFC Championship game in the Philadelphia Eagles. And all of these things can be true, and these are some concerns coming out of that loss against Minnesota. Niners got bullied on third downs. Money allocated along the defensive line, paying big-time dollars to Nick Bosa, to Javon Hargrave, to Eric Armstead, spending a second-round pick on Drake Jackson. It's not yielding results. They could get to Kirk Cousins all throughout the night. Zero sacks in that game. Whatever Steve Wilkes and the defense tried to do, Minnesota had an answer. Also concerning is this, that Kyle Shanahan is 0-36 in his coaching career when trailing by 8-plus points in the fourth quarter, which means San Francisco has this weird inability to mount a comeback. What's also odd is that Shanahan is 63-14 when not trailing by more than one score in a game. That is front-running to the highest degree. And then Brock Purdy. Good first three quarters, a bad last quarter, and one of your stars hasn't showed up so far this year, and I gave him some slack to start the year. But at this point, going into week eight, it's become unacceptable for Nick Bosa to not impact the game the way that he did last year when he won Defensive Player of the Year. This year, last couple of weeks, it's like he's been in the witness protection program. We keep waiting for Nick Bosa to break out, and he isn't. Also unacceptable... The third down defense for San Francisco. Kirk Cousins has this dubious history with how he plays primetime Monday night football in some of these big spots. Last night, he had one of the best games of his career against a defense that we thought was one of the best in football, if not the best. On third down, Cousins, 9-12. Eight of those completions went for first downs. He checked it for 182 yards on third downs alone. 
two touchdowns, and a 156.3 passer rating. Now, with that, a lot of people have been asking me this, and a lot of people have been commenting this on the show. I've seen it littered across the comment section, whether we've been live or on some of our videos. Should San Francisco fire Steve Wilkes? And if the Niners had a Robert Sala, a D'Amico Ryans, would they have had a performance like this? I think it's a little bit of an overreaction to think that the Niners should fire Steve Wilkes right now. And the numbers back that up because it's had an answer for everything. And at some point, you can't just blame Steve Wilkes. At some point, the players have to get home. The players have to generate a pass rush. The players have to get to the quarterback. And I'm talking about big money players like Eric Armstead, like Javon Hargrave, who hasn't done anything in weeks, as well as Nick Bosa. I don't think that you can blame solely the scheme. It's the players that have to take control of this because Steve Wilkes isn't the one who's one-on-one -on -one against an offensive tackle like Bosa is with an opportunity to impact the game. And that's why even Bosa after the game said, I need to do a better job, and I left some plays on the field. Look at Cousins' stat line against what we thought was an elite defense. I understand everybody has a down day. Teams struggle from time to time. Sometimes I have a down day on air where I keep stumbling over my words and I'm not feeling it, right? But coming off a loss against Cleveland, in a big spot like this, you allow Kirk Cousins to go 35 of 45 for 378, two touchdowns, one interception, and after that first pick, he was pretty much flawless. A big reason why Cousins... What's so flawless last night? It's the Niners' lack of pass rush. We got to take a look at some numbers because this is definitely concerning. Against the Blitz, Cousins, 8 of 13, 138 yards, a touchdown and a pick, a passer rating of 91.2, zero sacks, and a pressure rate of 23.1%. He had an answer for the Blitz. He had an answer for the non Blitzes because Cousins, no Blitz. 27-32, 240 yards, a touchdown, and a passer rating of 108.3. Once again, zero sacks and the pressure rate, pretty much the same, hovering around 23%. And for the season, the Niners have a pressure rate of 27.6%. That is 22nd among 32 teams in the NFL. And it's 23.5 when not blitzing, 40.5 when they do blitz. 23rd and 18th respectively in the NFL on those latter two numbers and to summarize that that is not good when you can't pressure with your four defensive linemen when dialing up blitzes or you can't generate pressure even with those four defensive linemen because if you get pressure with four it makes the back end job easier and what happened last night the back end really struggled so right now this is the Niners biggest issue defensively given the investments they made to upgrade the pass rush yet it's not yielding results right now still plenty to get to here on the show first up look at these numbers here to my right the 49ers report is the largest independently run Niners channel on YouTube, and we're approaching 100,000 subscribers. I believe that we've been able to grow like this under my watch because we give you informative, entertaining, insightful Niners analysis. We connect with the fan base. We allow this to be a forum for the faithful. We're consistent with our content. We have bold opinions and good analysis. So if you're in the market for that and you want Niners shows every single day, in addition to our insane watch parties, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Can we get to 98,000 subs by game day on Sunday? What also irks me about that Niners defensive performance, and it's this week and last week, I know they didn't give up that many points against Cleveland, but in big spots they were penalized or didn't make a play. The Niners' sloppiness 
And looking ill-prepared is unacceptable for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. And you can tell that after getting off to that 5-0 start, they let human nature come in. And they started to feel themselves. In the last two weeks, they've gotten punched in the balls and they haven't been able to respond. Nine missed tackles against the Vikings. They had 10 missed tackles against the Cleveland Browns. That's getting your ass kicked. That's bad preparation. That's bad execution. It's the other team working a little bit harder than you. And their mental and physical lapses that can't take place. A soft team right now over the last two games is San Francisco. And if you want to deny those facts, you can. But that's the truth. And the Niners have to look in the mirror right now and take accountability. Luckily, they do have a couple of leaders who do that and did that. Bosa, Warner, Purdy, Christian McCaffrey all after the game taking accountability for that loss. A positive spin. If you want to go glass half full, and I'm a glass half full approach kind of guy, it's good that these struggles are happening right now and not later. And what did I say after that Cowboys victory? This is all good when you win 42 to 10, but are you peaking a little bit too early? The NFL is far too deep and far too talented to just run through opponents every single week. So it's good to have these struggles for the team, for the defense, for Brock Purdy, for Kyle Shanahan now and not later. And going back to the Steve Wilkes point, fire Steve Wilkes, he's awful. I mean, going into the Vikings game, the Niners were first in points per game allowed at 14 and a half, first in interceptions, third in yards per game, fifth in rushing yards per game, third in the NFL in quarterback pressures. If the quarterback pressures can turn into sacks, it'll make the defense's job a lot easier. You're due to have a clunker at some point. So again, if you want a positive spin, it's the fact that the Niners were great in not giving up many points. And then Monday night football in Minneapolis, where they have not won over the last, what, 31 years, was just one of those wild and fluky games. But it doesn't get any easier with the Cincinnati Bengals coming to town next week in week eight. So with that, we ask you this. It is today's poll question, and it's our pinned comment. So make sure you go on down and get those votes in. I always go back to see what y'all are saying. What's your level of concern with the Niners right now? 1 to 100. You let me know and be a part of the show. Prize picks is a part of the show, and it should be a part of your life. Because if you want to play daily fantasy sports, it's the only app that you should be using. And this is great, too. We can get you up to a $100 deposit bonus and match at prizepicks.com slash CLNS. It's daily fantasy sports made easy. Producer Chip and I, we had a rough one on Monday Night Football, but we've won 25 times our money by playing the more or less game. You pick two plus players, you choose more or less on their projected stat lines. And you can either choose to have two of those three hit and you get your money and you win. Or if you want to wager even higher, you pick all three players to go more or less. And if you get those right, then the payout is pretty sizable. We just didn't believe that TJ Hawkinson and Kirk Cousins were going to be able to play like they did on Monday Night Football. That's why we went less on the receiving yards and the passing yards. And I thought Brock Purdy was going to have a bounce back game in throwing touchdowns. He threw one to Christian McCaffrey. So did throw that second to give us the more on the one and a half passing touchdowns. Again, up to a $100 deposit match at prizepicks.com slash CLNS. Code CLNS for that deal to apply. We're going to put that link in the comment section as well as in the description of this video. Now let's shift gears to Brock Purdy. Are the reasons to be concerned about Brock Purdy, who's still a young and inexperienced player, struggling the last two weeks against 
Jim Schwartz a good defensive coordinator, and Brian Flores a good defensive coordinator. Purdy through the first five games of the season. A big reason why the Niners were rolling, offense averaging more than 30 points per game. His efficiency numbers were really, really good. He threw zero picks in the first five games. And the last two games, three interceptions. Now, I did say a couple of weeks ago that Brock Purdy was going to be due for some type of a rough patch because some of the luck that he was getting on some of those interceptable balls, that was going to reverse. Now, Purdy last night, I think, played really, really well for the first three quarters. Decisive, making some plays improvisationally, out of structure, some explosive plays, good at targeting the middle area of the field. But the concerning trend here is the one that I just kind of briefly hit on, it's the turnover-worthy plays because Purdy is 20th among all quarterbacks in passing attempts so far this year, yet he's fourth in turnover-worthy plays. So he is putting the ball in harm's way. They weren't resulting in interceptions and turnovers the first five weeks. And even last year when he took over for Jimmy Garoppolo, last two weeks they have, and that's been a factor as to why the Niners have dropped back-to-back -back L's. The good, though, is that Purdy against a defense that came in struggling, but with a talented defensive coordinator who's a Bill Belichick disciple, is that they tried to really pressure Purdy a lot, did Minnesota on Monday Night Football. And Purdy, this is the decisiveness. This is the anticipation. This is reading the defense and getting the ball out quickly. He was good against the Blitz. 15 of 19 for 192 yards. So Flores, clearly in the game plan, wanted to see how Purdy would respond to getting pressured a lot. They threw the kitchen sink at him. They had a couple of really creative formations where they had three linemen stacked to one side, a gap, and then two more to the left, or sometimes like a three-by-one set. They faked the blitz and dropped back some linebackers. They threw the kitchen sink at Purdy, and I thought he responded. But late in the game, the Vikings adjusted, and they confused Purdy to a certain degree. The Vikings started to drop back in coverage on those last two drives, and that's why Purdy partially threw those two interceptions. Now, I know Jawan Jennings kind of broke off his route and got really sloppy on the first pick. The second pick, totally on Purdy. Should have seen the player right there trying to give it to Ray Ray McLeod. But even on the Jennings throw, he just kind of like, F it. Let me just throw it up there without really reading that he had to throw the football a little bit more to the left as compared to the middle of the field. So is Purdy the guy, why for yes and for no? We'll talk about him all throughout the week here. I'm still a believer in Purdy. I'm not going to say that he's a bust, that he can't play any longer. He played way too well last year and then the first five games this year, succeeding in a way that was very, very impressive with high-level quarterbacking plays for me to say that that's all gone away and he's an awful quarterback. I'm still a believer in the kid. Now let's go to some Niners trade buzz. When you lose back-to-back -back games like this, you're a Super Bowl contender, and some of your flaws have been exposed. Colton McKivitt, Spencer Burford, right side of the line of scrimmage, cornerback, depth at wide receiver, defensive line, not generating a pass rush. The conversation often turns to, are you going to get aggressive, and are you going to make a trade going into the trade deadline, which is coming up October 31st next Tuesday? According to Jay Glazer, Fox Sports NFL insider, friend of the show, we had him on during Super Bowl week here, the Niners are one of the teams that's a Super Bowl contender calling around before the deadline. Philadelphia Eagles also included in that bunch. On Monday, they traded for former All-Pro safety Kevin Bayard. The positions of need, cornerback, edge, offensive line, in my opinion, for San Francisco, 
depth at wide receiver certainly would help if you think that Debo Samuel shoulder injury is going to linger for a while. And as I noted, trade deadline is coming up. So you can make a trade early in the week, and you can think about implementing that player in the game plan against Cincinnati. If you don't make a move over the next couple of days, then you make a move and survey what happens after the Bengals game. You go into the bye week, that's two weeks to get that player up to speed. Now, with those needs that we just talked about, corner, edge, offensive line, there are some good cornerbacks who could be made available. We've talked plenty about Patrick Sertan. That's one of the dream targets here for San Francisco. A building block who's one of the top overall corners in the game, but also one of the top young building blocks that you could have for your organization. So he's a really good player for a Broncos team that did beat the Green Bay Packers, but if they're in sell mode and they are certainly attracted by an offer that would include a Jalen Ramsey type of package of multiple first-round picks, you might have to have that conversation of, okay, for Sertan, he's young, he's going to be a cost-controlled asset for the next few years. Are you going to draft the player better than that? If not, why don't you just trade for him? Jalen Johnson had a pick six this past weekend for the Chicago Bears and that win over the fraudulent Raiders. He's a fantastic player in a great corner as him and Sertan would both form a great one-two punch with him and Charvarius Mooney Ward allowing you to put D'Amador Lenore in the slot to get Isaiah Oliver off the field more often. Roger McCreary of the Tennessee Titans. You have a little bit of a relationship there because Rand Carthen is now their general manager. He was in this front office since 2017 before taking that job. And according to everything that I've kind of heard, the Tennessee Titans listening to offers on pretty much any player. That includes a guy like McCreary. They just traded away Kevin Bayard. It includes DeAndre Hopkins and some other players on that roster, even like Derrick Henry, who's a franchise icon. With Dante Jackson. You have familiarity with that Panthers organization because last year at about this time, you made the move for Christian McCaffrey. He's more of an affordable target as his career. And then Benjamin St. Juiced, another corner for the Washington Commanders. The internal replacements for the Niners, if they don't make a move at cornerback specifically, Samuel Womack once he comes off IR, and then Darrell Luter Jr. once he comes off IR. But you're relying on Womack and Luter to really fortify the secondary, a rookie in Luter and a player in Womack who's more, I think, better suited for inside as compared to outside cornerback play because he's similarly built to D'Amador Lenore. That's not going to get the job done. That's not going to move the needle for a Super Bowl contending team. For Sertan, one pick, seven pass breakups. There's been some reports that John Lynch, when he called the Broncos about Randy Gregory, checked in on Sertan and the Broncos front office, led by general manager George Payton, said, nope, we're not giving him away. But could that tune change if the Broncos lose again, if they have some more thoughts about that rebuilding process? So those are corners there. As far as edge rushers, I understand that San Francisco brought in Randy Gregory. He's actually played pretty well in limited snaps against Cleveland and against Minnesota. He's made a couple of plays, and he's actually out-snapped Drake Jackson the last two weeks, which is a concern. Since three sacks in that season opener against Pittsburgh, Drake Jackson has basically done nothing. This is a dream edge target. And Burns and Sertan, both young players who, if you re-sign a contract extension, you have them under team control for a little while because you most likely have plans to be in the Super Bowl contending window for a long time. 
The Athletic with an interesting blurb on Brian Burns. He might be the best player available. Niners defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes knows him well from their time together in Carolina. Burns is only 25 years old. Tremendous burst. Nine or more sacks in each of the last three years. Because of that, it might take a King's ransom to pry him from the Panthers. And any team that succeeds would then have to give him a long-term contract. That's proved thorny for Carolina. Hence, Burns' trade status. The Niners, meanwhile, may have already slaked their thirst for an additional edge rusher by acquiring Gregory at a very low cost. Slaked their thirst. I studied journalism at Temple University, but I would never say that if I was a writer. But hey, very creative verbiage there. Bottom line, going to take a lot to bring in a player like Brian Burns. But again, if you're willing to give up draft capital for a Burns, a Sertan, you're doing it operating under the premise that those players are going to be better than any type of draftee that you bring in to impact and have an effect on trying to win a Super Bowl. Now, obviously, you sign Sertan and Burns to a contract extension. It's far richer than a rookie. But is that rookie going to be able to have an impact outside of offensive tackle for a team that's ready to win right now? And if the answer is no, then maybe you think about Burns and Sertan, even if you have to mortgage the farm. Why I would target both of these players I've kind of talked about this today and in shows previously. I don't want to make a trade and give up a lot for a guy who's on the opposite side of 30, right? But if I could get a young Sertan in his early to mid-20s and a Brian Burns at 25 years old, young players who are building blocks, not just rental pieces, and I'm willing to pay for that again if it allows you to contend further for a Super Bowl. And the Niners have some premium draft picks coming up in the 2024 draft that they can include in one of these blockbuster trades. They have their own first round pick finally, getting that back after trading earlier first away for Trey Lance. You have your own second, your own third. You have two compensatory third round selections, which are extremely valuable. And you have two fourth round picks, one of which from the Dallas Cowboys in that Trey Lance trade. Those right there are really, really good assets, seven of them, not including some of the late-round picks that the Niners have at their disposal as well, and the fact that right now they have $40-plus million in cap space. You can roll it over, and you can use it to pay a guy like Kufonga and Brandon Ayuk, but you're going to have money left over as well. Are you going to fork over that cash for one of these marquee players going into the trade deadline? We'll certainly see. So let me ask you this. Speaking of trades, do the Niners need to make one? Do you think that San Francisco's front office has to make a move? T for trade, S for stand pad. I'll tell you this, the bye week comes at a really good time. John Wallace, $5 super chat. The margin for error is small, very small. Already two losses. I believe we can't have no more than one or pushing two. NFC three losses. You lose the home field advantage. If you have to go on the road, to take on the Philadelphia Eagles once again, that's a very tall task, and that's why some of these losses early in the season to teams that you should beat, Cleveland, Minnesota, could come back to cost you a couple of months down the road. When you're battling for playoff positioning, you're battling for home games in the playoffs, potentially the number one seed. Shoot, if the Niners play the way that they did the last two weeks, let me tell you this, they're going to lose to the Seattle Seahawks. Because that's a team that will punch them in their teeth. And San Francisco up to this point has not shown an ability to respond to that adversity. Lyle Boyard, $20. All that money on the D-line. You can't even get one sack last night. Horrible. 
quit effing around and go get Burns in a corner, Quest for Six. I mean, that's good timing for me to be talking about, um, you know, Brian Burns and Patrick Sertan there. Ed Rusher, corner. I'm getting really aggressive if I'm San Francisco. I'm getting really aggressive if I'm San Francisco because you have a finite window in which you can win an NFL championship. Toby Willis. I don't understand why Mason can't rotate. Didn't get it at all. I mean, Christian McCaffrey played almost every single snap last night. He may have played every single one. Um, I can actually look that up right now. But there's no reason. With the small tear in McCaffrey's oblique, for him to play every single snap against Minnesota. Let me see. I know it's, at one point he, the broadcast showed that he had played all 44 snaps of the football game. Christian McCaffrey, 53 offensive snaps. And how many plays did the Niners run? 53 of them. Now, Elijah Mitchell did get a carry, I believe. You're not going to put Jordan Mason in the game when you couldn't run the football at all. Last two games, the Niners have averaged three yards rushing. Who's a player that can pick that up pretty seamlessly just by being physical? Jordan Mason. All right, coming up next on the show, I have some burning questions for the Niners here. But I want you to get in your burning questions right now. Here's how you can get featured here on the show. Hashtag 49ers or Super Chat. Get your burning questions into the comment section right now. The best ones that producer Chip sees, he'll feature them on the program. So we'll combine your burning questions with my burning questions on our next segment coming up, as well as some of the Super Chats that came in as well, Chip. We can certainly uh, talk about those as well in further detail. All right, let me get a sip of water here, and then we'll go to our second segment. Make sure you continue to hit that thumbs up icon, like the video. I see IFR Drees, my boy, for Denmark. Make sure, if you're asking a question, be sure to use hashtag 49ers. I see some people in the chat asking questions, not using hashtag 49ers. I can only pull it up if you use the hashtag. So if you got a question, burning take, burning question, whatever it might be, get that in now with hashtag 49ers. We'll get you on the show. My boy, Chip. On the ones and twos here today. So with that, we will go to our second segment. We also have a pretty awesome sponsor on the show here. Trizzy Trace IFR Trees just came in the studio and said, For Denmark! Night Wonder getting that question in. Our boy IFR, as I said. Money Gang, use hashtag 49. All right, burning questions coming up after the Niners have lost two consecutive games. You ready to rock? Let's get it right now. Coming up on today's San Francisco 49ers report, I have some burning questions revolving around this football team after suffering back-to-back -back ugly and inexplicable losses. The Niners right now facing some adversity, and now they have to face the noise, and we have to bring some concerning questions up to the forefront. We'll also answer your questions on the back end of the show. Before we do all of that, 49ers report on the road to 100,000 subscribers. Can we get to 98K before Sunday? And if that game against the Bengals ends up being a crazy one for our watch party, we might be able to get to 100,000 subs. And when we get there, YouTube is sending us a silver plaque. For those of you coming across the show for the very first time, I'm Chase Sr. We give you Niners shows every single day, news, rumors, analysis, live shows, and watch parties. Without further ado... 
Let's get to my burning questions, and then we'll get to your burning questions. Burning question number one, and I've gotten this question from a lot of fans out there reaching out to me on social media. Should Steve Wilkes be on the hot seat as the Niners defensive coordinator? I think that this is a massive overreaction right now because I understand why people were so frustrated by the Niners' defensive performance against the Vikings on Monday night. But going into that game, San Francisco had one of the best defenses in the NFL, if not the best. And if they can improve the pass rush, and if the pass rush ever decides to show up with all of those expensive pieces along the defensive line, that could further fortify this Niners' defense. But before that Vikings game, San Francisco ranking first, in 14 and a half points per game allowed, first in interceptions, third in yards per game, fifth in rushing yards per game, and third in the NFL in quarterback pressures. But the quarterback pressures and not sacks has held this Niners team back, and we saw that come to the forefront against the Vikings in primetime. Kirk Cousins on third down against this Niners defense, 9 of 12, for 182 yards, two touchdowns, and a passer rating of 156.3. Of those nine completions, eight of those went for first downs. And the biggest issue that's holding this football team back right now is the lack of finish with their pass rush. They start stacking up some sacks, and quarterbacks don't have time to throw. What does that do? In turn, it makes the back-end job a lot easier. Niners and blitzing Cousins on Monday. He was 8 of 13 against the Blitz, 138 yards, a touchdown, a pick, passer rating of 91.2, zero sacks, and a pressure rate of 23.1%. No Blitz, 27 of 32, 240 yards, a touchdown, a passer rating of 108.3, zero sacks as the Niners had a goose egg in sacks all throughout the night, and a pressure rate of 22.8%. Those numbers are concerning. So are these. For the season, the Niners have a pressure rate of 27.6%, that's 22nd among 32 teams in the league. It's 23.5 when not blitzing, which is 23rd in the NFL, and 40.5 when they do blitz, which is 18th in the NFL. So Steve Wilkes is trying to flirt around with a couple of different defensive strategies, and none of them are working for San Francisco right now. And it's because your front, who you're paying big-time dollars to, Nick Bosa, highest-paid defender in the history of the NFL, Javon Hargrave, four-year, $84 million contract. Eric Armstead, where you been? The lack of pass rush and sacks there is really the backbone of the Niners' struggles defensively, and that doesn't have to do with Steve Wilkes. What it has to do with is the fact that at some point, you can't blame the scheme. You have to blame the players for not getting the job done, and that's why even Nick Bosa said, I have to be better. I left a couple of opportunities out there to impact the game. Fred Warner even said, we have to do better as well. So what do you think? Is Steve Wilkes the guy for the job? And is he on the hot seat? Let me know down in the comment section. Share your thoughts with us and sound off down below. More burning questions to get to because we're only getting started here on the show. Number two, is the NFL starting to catch up to Brock Purdy? Back-to-back Rough performances against the Cleveland Browns and the Minnesota Vikings. He was really bad outside of the opening drive for the whole game against Cleveland. He was good the first three quarters against Minnesota. Wheels came off in that fourth quarter. No picks in the first five games. Three interceptions in the last two games. And 
Turnovers have really killed this team the last two weeks in those two losses. When you lose the turnover battle, you lose between 70 to 80% of the games in the NFL. And really what the concerning trend here for Purdy is, is that the Niners are a run-based offense that also likes to throw it, but not too much. Purdy is 20th in the NFL among quarterbacks in pass attempts, yet he is fourth in turnover-worthy plays. So he's put the ball in harm's way a lot this year. He's only thrown three interceptions through seven games, but he's been a little bit risky with the pill, and now those are coming back to bite him because the other team is capitalizing off of those turnovers, and it's really self-inflicted wounds for this Niners offense. The positive spin for what Purdy did against Minnesota is that Brian Flores, a Bill Belichick disciple, threw everything Purdy's direction. And he really tried to confuse him with multiple looks, with a lot of blitz packages. Purdy responded well to the blitz, 15-19, a buck 92. But then the Vikings late in the game with the Niners down by five, final two drives, Purdy looking to give the Niners the go-ahead touchdown to potentially win the game and steal it in Minneapolis. They dropped coverage back. They only rushed about three or four on some of those plays. That's when Purdy struggled in throwing those two interceptions. Next question for the homies, can Purdy lead the Niners? to a Super Bowl. W for a yes, L for a no. I'm still a believer in Purdy because I think his play has been very, very impressive up to this point. Every quarterback throughout the course of NFL history has hit a rough patch at some point. And I think it's better for that rough patch for Purdy to be happening right now as compared to in the thick of a playoff race or in the playoffs. Burning question number three. Did the Niners need to make another trade? This is really one of the pressing questions after back-to-back -back losses. Because some of the weaknesses on this team have really come to the forefront. They haven't pass protected well. They haven't been able to run block well. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. They can't get that pass rush going as far as sacks go. So I want to take a look at some trade candidates here for the Niners. And first, you talk about former Niners all on the same team with the Denver Broncos. If you're looking for cornerback help, Kwan Williams only left the Bay because he maximized with the Niners and earned a big payday with Denver. But Denver might look to shed that salary. And could you bring in a player who's very familiar with this organization and elements of this defensive scheme? That'll help you against the pass for sure. And it'll help Mooney Ward on that outside. If you want to try to fortify your rushing defense and stopping the run, which you've been bad at the last two weeks, could you bring back DJ Jones? who signed a nice little bag with the Denver Broncos as well. That's a player that could impact this team who's also played well for San Francisco. I know a lot of you are going crazy right now, and your skin is crawling at the thought of bringing back Mike McGlinchey. But what if I told you that he's an upgrade over Colton McKivitz, and he improves his football team? Now, I'm not doing that because he signed that massive deal with the Broncos in free agency, and frankly, I don't think he's worth $17 to $18 million per year, but... That is an option for a former Niner to come back to the Bay for a team that might be selling. There are star trade targets, too, if you want to get bold going into the NFL trade deadline. I love Brian Burns. I think that Nick Bosa would start to pick up those sack numbers if he has some more help on that other side. Randy Gregory, cute move, right? Good depth piece. He's not Brian Burns, who has nine sacks every year that he's been in the league except for one, and he's still only 25 years old. Patrick Sertan and Mooney Ward would give you one of the best cornerback duos in the NFL, and that's the case if you trade for Sertan or Jalen Johnson. 
Buda Baker is fascinating because everybody thinks of him as a safety, which he is. He's just an all-around weapon who could play in the box, in the slot nickel, play a little bit of linebacker, and also play safety. That's a weapon I'd love to see Steve Wilkes get creative with. And then Daniil Hunter. We saw him play really well against San Francisco on Monday night. Going into week seven, he led all rushers in sacks with eight of them. There are also affordable trade targets that the Niners could look to go after. Yannick Ngakwe is one of them. Every year that he's been in the NFL, he's had at least eight sacks. Playing on a bad Chicago Bears defense right now. Only has a couple of sacks and a few pressures this year. But could a player who's only 28 years old, who's been a pass rush specialist in his career, give you something to help out Nick Bosa a little bit? He's awful against the run, so he doesn't help you there. But the sack numbers have been there throughout Ngakwe's career. And then Cody Whitehair. This is a player with some pedigree. He's stuck on the bench for a bad Bears offensive line. A little bit of a red flag. But he's played and started 100 games at Garden Center in this league. And might be better than a Spencer Burford right now for this team. Next up, where the heck has Nick Bosa been? Now, for Nick Bosa, this is certainly an interesting conversation because he's one of the highest graded defenders in the game. He's gotten some quarterback hits, quarterback pressures, but for Bosa, he's played in all seven games so far this year. Two and a half sacks is not going to get it done. And I know that he's getting chipped. I know that teams are double teaming him. I know that he could benefit from having another really top tier edge rusher on the other side of that line of scrimmage, but you're the reigning defensive player of the year. You're getting paid as the highest paid non-quarterback in the history of football. These numbers have to get better for Bosa. He didn't partake in any training camp practices, any preseason. And maybe that handicapped him early in the year. That's not an excuse any longer. Number 97 has to play better. And that's what it comes down to. I've defended him up until this Vikings game. Now, we just got to stop making excuses. And then number five. Are the Niners in danger of letting a golden opportunity to compete for a Super Bowl away? Slip away. Um, I think the Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in the NFC right now. And let me explain why. The Eagles have the better quarterback. The Eagles have the better or at least the same. They equal out as far as skill position players go. The Eagles have as good of a defense and up to this point a better defensive line with sack rate and pressure rate than San Francisco. I think coaching is pretty much a wash. So those are two very evenly matched teams. And you're jockeying now for the number one seed in the NFC so that you don't have to go to Philadelphia again. Well, the Eagles and the Chiefs, the only two teams in the NFL who have a 6-1 and one record this year. And because the Niners and Eagles are so evenly matched, where do I look for the edge to pick a winner? I'm looking at the trenches. And the Eagles kicked the Niners' ass in the trenches last year in the NFC Championship game. And this year with the Eagles' offensive line and their defensive line, they're better that's what I believe the difference is. So if you continue to lose some of these games, you lose the opportunity for home field advantage in the NFC. You also might lose the ability to win the NFC West because the Seattle Seahawks are a very feisty bunch. And if the Niners play like they did the last two weeks, they will get beat by Seattle. I understand it's through week seven, and this is the all too early look at the playoff picture, but I do believe that these teams are the formidable teams that the Niners are competing with and against for playoff jockeying. If the season were to end right now, Eagles get the number one seed. The San Francisco 49ers wouldn't even get the number two seed. 
You know who that goes to? The Detroit Lions. And let me tell you this. In the wild card round of the playoffs, who would you rather face as the two seed? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if you lock up number two, but if you drop to number three, a rematch with the Dallas Cowboys, hard-fought playoff games the last two years, they want to avenge that 42-10 loss. And that's a dangerous spot to be in in the first round of the playoffs if you drop the three and you're taking on the six-seeded Cowboys. Maybe you have to take on the Seattle Seahawks once again. Like, those are the types of things that we're talking about. This is a Super Bowl-ready roster. They have so much talent on both sides of the ball. you got to stop effing around and losing some of these winnable games. And if it turns into three consecutive losses going into the bye week, the sky's going to be falling in the Bay Area with the Bengals up next on the schedule. Coming up next, we're going to be taking your burning questions and your burning hot takes. But first, clap it up to Kudo. And let's welcome Kudo on board for being a brand new sponsor right here on the San Francisco 49ers Report. Protein popcorn to power up your day. Are you on the hunt for a new guilt-free snack? Meet Kudo, the official protein popcorn of the UFC. Kudo Popcorn's revolutionary cooking method allows each bag of popcorn to have 10 grams of whey protein isolate in every bag while still tasting absolutely delicious. Earlier today, I ate some of the white cheddar and the salty sweet kettle corn. Both of them were so good, and it tastes like a regular bag of popcorn. I didn't even really notice that there was all that protein in there, 10 grams to be exact. Get in on the snacking revolution that MMA athletes like Michael Chandler, Robbie Lawler, Bruce Buffer, and even Dana White himself endorse. For a limited time, our listeners, our viewers, Get 25% off their entire order with the code chat at kudosnacks.com. That's code chat at kudosnacks.com. Kudo popcorn, multiple flavors to choose from. Garlic parmesan, white cheddar, salty sweet kettle corn. I've tried the latter two. I'm trying garlic parmesan next. You'll be amazed how Kudo popcorn has somehow made your favorite healthy snack even tastier, healthier, and packed with some protein. So for a limited time only, our viewers get that 25% off discount when you use the code CHAT at kudosnacks.com. That's K-U-D-O snacks.com. Save some money, support the official protein popcorn of the UFC, and get popped. And it's kettle popped to perfection. 10 grams of whey and milk protein isolate, gluten-free greatness, keto-friendly fuel, and it's made right here in the USA. We're going to put that link down below in the comment section as well as in the description of this video. Really pumped up to bring on Kudo on board as a new partner and sponsor of the San Francisco 49ers report here at Chat Sports. Now to your burning questions. Chew Allure with this one. How can we clean up mistakes and stop opposing quarterbacks? I think it starts with just generating more of a pass rush and sacking the quarterback. If the quarterback doesn't have all day to throw, like Cousins did on Monday Night Football, it makes the back end job a lot easier. And that allows you to get stops. And that allows you to keep them from scoring points on the board. And then the third down efficiency against the Vikings was awful as well. Matt Keller, what a loss again. Bengals are looking a little iffy, but they're coming off a bye. I'm feeling that they pull it through. The problem here is that we talked about this going into the season. The Niners have a rest disadvantage in a lot of games this year. They played Cleveland off a bye. 
they played the Bengals off the bye, not only does that allow those athletes to be fresher, faster, more crisp, that's an extra week to prepare for San Francisco. It becomes a massive game. Fred Warner even said it's a must win against the Bengals. So it's a big one, no doubt, at Levi Stadium because the bad vibes and the bad juju of suffering three straight losses going into the bye, that nasty distaste, it'll linger far too long. You win a game going into the bye, and a lot of people forget about what happened in weeks six and seven. John Wallace, $5 donation. The margin for error is small. It's very small. You already have two losses. I believe we can't have any more than one or pushing two. NFC, three losses, that affects your ability to get home field. It does. I mean, we looked at the playoff standings a little bit earlier. I understand that it's early in the process, but you're in danger of losing the number one seed. You're in danger of losing the advantageous number two seed because then if the number one seed gets knocked off in the divisional round, you have home field advantage. You're in danger of losing the NFC West lead to a Seattle team that's feisty. They went on the road. They beat the Detroit Lions. They have some impressive wins this year. Yes, San Francisco swept them three times last year, but up until 2022, Pete Carroll had had Kyle Shanahan's number in a big way to a way that Kyle Shanahan has Sean McVay's number. Lyle Boyard, $20 super chat, all that money on the defensive line, and you can't even get one sack last night. Horrible. Quit effing around and go get Burns as well as a corner. That's that quest for six. Eric Armstead's making a lot of money. Javon Hargrave signed a four-year, $84 million contract. Nick Bosa is the highest-paid non-quarterback in the history of the NFL. Really, since that Giants Thursday night game, Javon Hargrave hasn't done a lot with sacks. Nick Bosa has two and a half sacks in seven games this year, far off the pace that he had last year when he had 18 and a half in the regular season. Sometimes sacks really do come in bunches, right? We keep waiting for those bunch of sacks to come for Nick Bosa to really help out this team, and they really haven't come. You know, he did have that one big sack against P.J. Walker two weeks ago, which was a huge sack that you thought may have won the Niners the football game until they squandered that opportunity away. But look, plain and simple as Lyle said, the pass rush has to be better because it changes everything else on the second and third level for your defense. That's why I would get aggressive for Brian Burns. That's why I would get aggressive in trading for a Patrick Sertan or a Jalen Johnson. I'm trying to upgrade this defense because they're getting a little bit weak at some of these really important positions, and they're getting exposed right now. Edward Willis, five. I don't understand why Jordan Mason can't rotate. Look, Christian McCaffrey played every single game on Monday Night Football. He was pretty much questionable all throughout the week. Has a small tear in his oblique. And that tells me that this coaching staff clearly doesn't trust Jordan Mason, even though what he did two weeks ago I thought was really impressive with how he ran it. I think that his physicality and his skill set brings something unique to this offense where he can get you some tough yards just with his running style, ability to lower his head and his shoulder to pick up those nasty yards after contact. It allows you to keep Christian McCaffrey a little bit more fresh. Jordan Mason's a solid player. Now, the Niners might look at some of the game tape and say, he can't pass protect, he's missing assignments, he's going to get our quarterback killed, and that might, 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 that might be a reason, excuse me, as to why Brock Purdy, um, or why Jordan Mason isn't playing all that much. But either way, man, on a clear running down, just give the guy the football. 
spell McCaffrey a little bit, but also wear down the opponent, inflict some pain. Because I don't think right now the last two weeks a lot of teams, or a lot of players at least, with the Browns and the Vikings have feared the San Francisco team. The Niners have played soft. You know who doesn't play the game of football in a soft way? It's Jordan Mason. So good point there from our boy Edward Willis, Toby Willis. Lyle Bolliard, why did the Niners stop throwing to Brandon Ayuk in the second half? WTF. You know what's crazy about Brandon Ayuk is I was looking at some ESPN analytics, and I was specifically looking at the wide receiver position. According to ESPN's wide receiver tracking metrics, A.J. Brown has been the best wide receiver in the NFL. He has an open grade of 82, catch grade of 90, yak grade of 62, and an overall grade of 96. Brandon Ayuk is the second highest graded wide receiver in the NFL, and he's the most open wide receiver with a 99 grade. He was great in that first half. You're right. Didn't get involved as much in that second half. I also think, speaking of wide receiver, the Niners are missing even just the window dressing, but obviously the really unique and special play from Debo Samuel. How about them Niners? Cordero Patterson can give running back wide receiver return depth. Young and Sweat from Washington, Jalen Johnson. I'd be happy with any of them thoughts. Cordero Patterson isn't even really playing for the Atlanta Falcons. It's become a very odd trend. I'm not sure if he's cooked because we haven't gotten to see him all that much. I just know a couple of years ago, he was like a Debo Samuel light. They used him a little bit as a wide receiver, a little bit as a returner, a little bit as a running back, dynamic threat. I mean, this is a guy who has multiple 109-yard kickoff returns for touchdowns. You're set at returner with Ray Ray McLeod, but do you want to bring in another gadget weapon like Cordero Patterson? who can maybe spell McLeod as well with special teams? Yeah. As for Chase Young, Montez Sweat, this is a very fluid situation in our nation's capital because those players have been rumored to be available. The commanders have been rumored to be taking calls. But as of early in this week, you know, there are some reports that the commanders want to hold on to both Chase Young and Montez Sweat. But how about the Niners? Both are really, really solid players who could impact and Certainly help out this Niners' lack of pass rush. Jalen Johnson, Patrick Sertan, probably my top two targets at that cornerback spot. Logan, do you think Brock Purdy's struggles come from a lack of being clutch or simply lack of experience in such situations? I don't think it's a lack of clutch, Gene. Um, I mean, you look at what he did against the Cleveland Browns two weeks ago, and Jake Moody, if he didn't miss that field goal, you know what the conversation is? Wow. Brock Purdy overcame some hurdles. Brock Purdy overcame some choppy seawater, he overcame some adversity, and even though he played awful up until that final drive, what did he do when the game was on the line? He drove San Francisco right down the field, and if it wasn't for mismanagement from Kyle Shanahan, who I thought could have gotten the ball closer for Jake Moody, if Moody hits that kick, we're talking about a go-ahead game-winning clutch drive from Brock Purdy. I thought he was going to work the magic on Monday Night Football. I really, really did. But here's the thing, played well against the Blitz against Minnesota, had some touch and accuracy, layering balls in there to that second window. I thought he was indecisive. The picks were bad. There's no doubt about it. He's going through a little bit of a rough patch right now. Can he overcome it? I hope so because the Niners Super Bowl hopes certainly hinge on that. But I just think it's more of not being experienced. And for the first time in his NFL career, he's facing 
some adversity. And I want to see how he responds to this. This is character-building opportunities at the forefront here for Purdy. Thanks for those hot takes, those burning questions, and your feedback on the show. If you haven't subscribed, do so right now by hitting that sub button down below, or you see the link down below, youtube.com slash 49ers TV.